listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Uh, we're starting a new series through Galatians. I don't know what you know about the book of Galatians. It's a pretty uh, to-the-point book in a lot of ways. And if I had to sum up the message of Galatians, it would be freedom. And, but it's not always like the freedom that we have. You know, we have this in our mind that we have this uh, idea out there that we can do whatever we want to do and be whatever we want to be. And we know that's not true. Uh, if I've done that, if there's times in my life I would have done whatever I want to do, I would be in jail right now. Uh, so it doesn't work. Life doesn't work that way. Reality doesn't work that way. So we all have these notions of freedom, but Galatians focuses on the one true freedom that we all want and need, and that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. So I urge you uh, to make a point to um, see what Galatians is about through the next few weeks and what we're going to be talking about. So let's go ahead and jump into the book today, and over time I'll give more background on who the Galatians are, uh, but today we're going to talk more about Paul a little bit and who he was as the writer of this letter to the people in Galatia. So uh, if you will turn in your Bibles to Galatians 1 and 11 through 17, if you do not have your Bibles, uh, as always, for your convenience, it's printed in the order of worship. Here's what Paul said. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man. Nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation from Jesus Christ. You've heard of my former life in uh, Judaism, sorry, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my people, and so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who set me apart before I was born called me by his grace, I was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, Gentiles being anyone outside the Jewish nation. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, uh, help us to know that you are with us uh, in the reading of this. Send your spirit upon us. Give us wisdom. Help us to have clarity. Help us not get back by down the minutia, but really understand what you would have us to see about this passage today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Now we have all grown up with traditions and advice that we were given, and then later find out that it simply wasn't true. For instance, the idea if you went out in the cold with your hair wet or without the proper attire that you would get a cold, right? You know, maybe you've heard that. Or things like uh, if you cross your eyes too long, it would be permanent. Uh, or maybe you've heard that if you sit too close to the TV, it would affect your vision. Or swallowing chewing gum would stay in your stomach for years. Or how about this, you have to wait an hour uh, after eating to swim 
or you will get cramps. Uh, but last and not least, if you swallow seeds, it will make plants grow in your stomach. <laughs> now, these ideas have all proven to be false. I don't know if you're still clean. I'm sorry if you are still holding on to some of those. <laughs> some people are like, really? They're, they're all they've all proven to be false. Uh, but, and some are a little funny, as we just saw, uh, looking back. But what about the traditions and beliefs that are not so harmless, that we pick up in life that actually are damaging to us? Thoughts like, it's all up to you. Or life is what you make it. Or if you believe it, it can happen. Or you can do anything you put your mind to. Maybe similar to, we can all be the president one day. Y'all heard that word? Um, working harder will solve all your problems. And maybe people are basically good. These are false. These are things that we all hear. And the older you get, you understand more and more that you realize that these ideas are not just short-sighted. They don't take into account of reality. They're basically false. These passages that are written by Paul today was a, by a person that believed a lot of wrong things for a long, long time in his life. And now he's writing to a church full of people that are starting to believe some of the same things. See, he, he came in as a church planner in Galatia and taught them something. And he had been taught something else that he was trying to get away from. Now they're reverting back to what he used to believe. And I'm going to explain that fuller in just a moment. So we're going to look at three points today, and they're in your bulletin. We're going to talk about the idea of a message from above. We're going to talk about the former message that Paul believed. And then we're going to talk about his calling after that as a result of this message that he said was directly from Jesus Christ. So let's look at the message from above here. Look at the verse 11 here at the beginning of our scripture passage. Paul says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me was not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it from the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we usually do this toward the end, but look at the, the uh, quote in the order of worship at the very beginning. We can read that for a second. By a man named Philip Esler. That's written a commentary on Galatians. He says this, Paul has learned that the Galatians are in danger of abandoning the gospel message that he preached in favor of a different gospel, which Paul insists is not really a gospel at all. This is what he's coming out of. Everyone in here probably has had some relationship with the church or church is in some good or bad way. We all come into this sanctuary with different church experiences, thoughts that we have and have had about the church. I grew up in church all my life. And over the course of my life, as I began to study the Bible and Jesus' teaching, I've come to realize that some of the things I was taught by different churches in my life were simply wrong. For the Galatians, the problem was that some of the Jewish folks had come in after Paul had taught them the truth and the message of God. See, when Paul had originally taught and trained the Galatians, he was very clear about one thing that they had to understand. And that is that you don't have to do anything to earn God's love and His favor. It's simply the grace of God. 
Meaning the Jews came in after him telling the Gentiles, oh yeah, you, you can believe in God and believe in the work of Jesus, but you also have to follow the Jewish laws, specifically they're talking about circumcision, if you're really going to find favor with God. Paul starts this letter to the church of Galatians by clarifying what he's about to say. It's not something he learned from people, that he learned it directly from God, God himself. See, some of the Jewish teachers are saying this. Paul is not even one of the twelve apostles. Why are you believing him? What authority does he have? Why are you listening to him in the first place? I mean, do you remember who Paul was? Paul hated Christians. He was persecuting Christians in his past. You're going to listen to him talk about that? And Paul is saying, yeah, yeah, okay, that's part of the story. Let me tell you the rest of the story, as another Paul would say before. Uh, let's look at part two here. The former message believed. Look at verse 13. He says, You've heard of my former life in, in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond the years of my own age among my people, and I was so extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. One of my favorite paintings in the world is uh, the conversion of Paul by Caravaggio. If you haven't seen that before, you need to go look that up. Uh, and in the painting, you can probably just look at the conversion of Paul. Don't worry about spelling Caravaggio. Uh, I even had to look it up. I couldn't remember how to spell it. Uh, but in the painting, it's a beautiful scene in, th in this way. And it's very striking. You see Paul laying flat on his back, knocked off his horse, and he's lying on his back reaching up to the sky for help. And this blinding light is striking him from heaven. Like I said, if you haven't seen it before, look it up. It's a powerful description. Again, uh, it's called Caravaggio, uh, the conversion of Paul on the way to Damascus, something like that. But it's a great reminder of Paul's conversion. Uh, maybe you've heard the story, maybe you haven't, but let me give you a quick refresher. Because you've you got to think about that and have that in your mind today. See, Paul was born a Jew in the Roman city of Tarsus, which is basically modern-day Turkey. On the eighth day, like Jews do, he was circumcised and he received the Hebrew name Saul. At a young age, Saul began to study the law of Moses in Jerusalem under one of the most mathful teachers at the time, one of the most respected Pharisees and doctors in the law of his errors. And he was one of the best students this guy had. When Saul was in his uh, early 20s, in another part of the world, Jesus is beginning his ministry. And Jesus is coming along, challenging the rigid interpretation that the Pharisees had taught by way of the law of Moses, turning into something that never should have been. And that is something you have to follow, do's and don'ts, to find favor with God. Saul is around... Saul or Paul, I'll tell you that why it's the same thing here in a minute. It was about 25 years old when Jesus was crucified. He was a Pharisee at this point. Saul was so diametrically opposed to Jesus' teaching. He believed that they were in opposition to everything he grew up with, everything he believed, and that they were against the law of Moses, even though Jesus said he was not. But in the way that Paul had come to know it, after Jesus' crucifixion, Saul passionately devoted himself to persecuting Jesus' followers. Even his own teacher that was a master teacher in the law told him, Paul, just ignore him. Just leave him alone. Paul 
or Saul could not hold himself back. One of the first documented martyrs in the Bible, if you remember Stephen, Stephen getting stoned. As they were stoning them, all the Pharisees were laying their coats at Paul's feet as he went, was there to consent and condone what they were doing. After that, Saul goes to Jerusalem to the high priest that give, and he gets this letter that gives him permission just something you would hear, hear out of World War II with Hitler's regime, giving him permission with that letter to go door to door and interrogate everybody and arrest them if he had any kind of suspicion and, to, and get them in chains and send them back for trial in Jerusalem. And while he was taking this letter with him to Damascus, Paul had an experience that would change his life forever. He said, the Bible says, on his journey to Damascus, a light suddenly shines from heaven, flashed all around him. He falls to the ground, and then he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. With that, Saul gets up and he's blind, and he has to be led into the city of Damascus, and he stays there for three days. Blind, he's never been blind before. He's blind in the darkness, fasting, praying, and just thinking about what he just heard. In that city, there's a disciple of Jesus named Ananias. Ananias knew about Saul's persecution of the church, and when he heard about Paul being in, or Saul being in town, he was scared to death. But Jesus appears to Ananias and told him to go to Saul and to lay his hands on him and heal him from his blindness and baptize him. And Ananias did that. Saul was converted. And he was baptized. And from that point on, he said, I'm not going to go by my name Saul, my Jewish name anymore. I'm going to go by my Roman name Paul from this point on. And Paul says, y'all know that part of the story. But he said, there's more to the story that's very, very important to what I'm talking about right now. So let's look at this next section. Roman number three, his calling as a result of this message that he's heard. Verse 15 says, And when he who had set me apart before I was born, called me by his grace, talking about God, obviously, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, where the experts were, or to the apostles before me. I went away to Arabia and then returned to Damascus. For three years, and people forget about this sometimes, for three years after he became the believer, he didn't go and get instructed again. He didn't go to Jerusalem. He wasn't going anywhere else. He basically went out in the middle of nowhere in Arabia and prayed and studied in preparation for what he sees as his next calling. And God used this time to instruct Paul in a way that tore down everything that he had thought about God and really gave him a clear picture of who God really was was a God of grace and love and how he used his son. And after three years, then he goes back to uh, Damascus, where he was on the road to the first time. And then he continued after that. We know the story. He travels far and wide. He proclaims Jesus. Over the next 27 years, Paul becomes one of the greatest missionaries in the history of the world. Now, why is Paul telling them all of this? Why am I telling you all of this? Why does it even matter? Well, here's what Paul's saying to the Galatians and by implication to us. Here's the thing. And he's saying this to the Galatians and, and he's saying it to us. People are going to bombard you 
with a lot of ideas, both outside the church and within the church, that sound good or claiming that they have the truth, that you might even want to be true, but they are false. We're surrounded by it in the church and outside the church. But you're saying, how would I know? James, yes, you've had all this training, but how will I know? Well, first of all, this is the one of the reasons that I tell you all the time, you've got to be reading God's Word. You've got to be in the Word. We have access to God's truth and wisdom. We need to know it, or we're going to be persuaded and tossed around, the Bible says, to believe just about anything and a lot of different things. But the most distinctive thing is what's being said, and this is what Paul's getting at today. The most distinctive thing is what, how you view how you find favor with God how you develop a relationship with God. Telling people how they should cultivate a friendship with God. Like the distinction that Paul made uh, earlier, there's met the message from God, and there's a lot of different messages. It's amazing to me how many people in the church today, and a lot of these believers are only 100 years old, are believing so much differently than what Paul is teaching right here. Here's what I'm talking about. There's messages from God and messages from people all around you. The Bible is very clear about this. Here's how you come to in relationship, friendship with God. Repent of your sins. Repent of trying to do it yourself. And believe in the work that Jesus has done in his life, in his death, and his resurrection. Nothing else, nothing less. You don't need an and one to the gospel. You don't need grace plus something else. You, and people are like, oh, I, I believe in grace. I don't believe in nothing else. Here's what I'm talking about. Here's where the church has gotten it wrong. You don't need everything I just said about repentance and believing. You don't need a certain prayer. You don't need to walk the aisle to something else. You don't, you don't need to come to this pulpit. You don't need a crisis moment. You don't need a second anointing or rededication. You don't even need baptism or the church. You just need God's grace through Jesus' work. That's it. If you claim, oh yeah, I understand that, but you're doing the same thing that the Galatians were doing, that were taught by the Jews. Don't do that. Let me end with this. People have come to me over the few, last, quite a few times over the years, just doubting whether or not they're a true believer. And that's fine. Like, I welcome people doubting. And I welcome it into my life. But here's the thing that I always come back to. Don't rest in some decision you made when you were a kid or some emotional experience that you had when you were a teenager, or something that you did in the past. You don't save yourself. He, here's always the final question I ask people every time that they're down here salvation. Here's the question I ask them. And, and ask yourself right now. Are you resting in yourself right now, or are you believing and resting in the work that Jesus did on the cross? That's it. I don't care about the past. I don't care what you did. I don't care where you walked. Uh, I don't care if you walked to Jerusalem back. I'm saying that if, if you're not resting in the work of Jesus Christ and His work alone right now, then it, it doesn't, everything else doesn't matter. And so that's why I try to bring people out of the past and out of works and say this is the message of God and this is why it's so important to Paul. Because if not, you're always thinking I didn't do it right. If not, you're always thinking what do I have to add? What do I have to do today? How do I keep my salvation? If it's up to you, you're going to be doing it the rest of your life. I can't help you with that doubting until you get to the point of resting in the truth of what Paul's talking about here. And he's going to talk about this more as we go on. So I'm saying this. If you're concerned about that question today and don't know the answer, I would love to talk to you sometime this week. 
I mean, let's all submit to the call and just lay down our efforts and our works at the foot of the cross, look to Jesus, and rest in his work alone. That's the only, that's all I'm saying here. That's the thing we need to contemplate as we come to the communion table today, as we are reminded of the sacrifice that Paul is talking about that Jesus made for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Uh, thank you that we don't have to defend your word, that there's power in your word. Uh, thank you that you have saved us from a treadmill of just trying to do like earn your favor and in your love all the time. The bondage that's with us trying to do all the right things all the time to keep our salvation or win your favor or keep your love, that's a bondage that you would never ask us to live in. This is why we talked about at the beginning. Galatians is about freedom because the good news of Jesus is about freedom. Lord, you have freed us. Help us to free ourselves through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.